This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio, somebody who's breathing a sigh of relief, obviously, is Sergeant Dusan Pravicha, he of the uh, Toronto Police Service, who on this fateful night uh, back in July of 2013, you might recall when Sammy Yateen was uh, dying on the floor of that streetcar, uh, he came in and tasered him. Uh, He was charged with one count of misconduct under the Ontario Police Services Act. Well, that's been resolved uh, to all party satisfaction by alternative means. Uh, This happened, I guess, a little while back, but it was supposed to begin his hearing before the police tribunal. Let's get Joseph Newberger in here. He's our global news radio legal expert from Newberger and Partners to give us insight on this story and others. Joseph, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thanks, John. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, So on this matter of the sergeant who tasered Sammy Yatim as he lay dying, as we know, he was shot nine times in two separate tranches, which created a whole legal uh, issue in and of itself. But uh, he was to be facing the police tribunal on this one misconduct uh, count, but it was resolved by alternative means. Is that a common practice in these cases? Um, It's it's certainly available under the legislation. It's not that common. Um, but it is a, an appropriate mechanism to use if the parties are both, uh, you know, in agreement that this would be an appropriate way to handle it. Right. Uh, even though we're told the contents aren't public knowledge. Uh, right. So as a non-disclosure agreement, I guess, and the Yatim family seem to be satisfied uh, that Mr. Yatim got to meet and share his views with Sergeant Pravichka in a dignified and respectful setting. So uh, we say yeah. everything is resolved then? Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect, um, you know, the, the family of Mr. Yatim has taken an inspired approach about seeking change within the Toronto Police Service to better understand persons suffering from uh, mental illness and how to handle uh, situations where there is potential danger, but to handle it in a much more sophisticated manner. And so I think probably what happened was a, a very open discussion that there have been remedial measures taken by the officer, possibly with respect to uh, his own education and uh, coming to a better understanding of uh, what was uh, problematic about his behavior and how to handle these situations. And probably the team family felt that they were they were heard and meaningful steps have been taken. So that's probably I'm you know I'm really speculating, but I suspect that, that would be consistent with the approach that the family's been taking in the past. And and I think if that's really what happened and they were satisfied then it's in all our interest that it gets resolved this way. All right. And this doesn't necessarily imply any kind of a monetary settlement. That would be an, another issue, uh, another hearing, I guess, a civil case, wouldn't it? Correct. Civil. It would nothing to do with this Police Services Act prosecution. Again, with Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert, let's talk about uh, change of a different stripe. Uh, I know you've railed against this in the past, but it surfaced <laughs> just recently, within the last week or so, this Bill C-51, where after the Gameshi case... Uh, the government came forward, and I guess because it was such an outcry that these women who had been the complainants were being re-victimized in their testimony. Uh, so there's this new law that came into place last December that allows for the plaintiff, the complainants, to be represented by their, their lawyers as well and to question the defense, uh, the defense lawyer or, you know, the uh, the person in the docket, which uh, faced a charter challenge, actually two of them, and uh, they were both shot down. The judges here at the Superior Court in Ontario rejected both charter challenges. I think you were uh, very close to these cases. So what do you make of this whole idea yeah. that the judges shot it down, and where is this going from here? Well, 
I think we're in a politically correct era right now. And, and the issue, just to frame it for, for people who are listening, is that the legislation now requires an application to be brought similar to the old 276 provision about communications that would be in the possession of the defense that are going to be used for cross-examination. And there's two unclear things. One, which the legislation is not clear on, in my opinion, is whether communications about the subject matter of the offense are part of this application process or are they ex excluded. Um, and if they are, then you have to bring an application and disclose all of the communications between the parties. One would imagine that the person complaining would know what they communicated and why should the defense ever be forced to disclose. So there's there's that aspect, which I think is a constitutional issue. And then the second aspect, which you spoke about, is during this hearing now, the complainant is a party to the proceedings, can have counsel, and uh, as part of the application by the person who's accused, they would file an affidavit, and the lawyer for the complainant can then cross-examine. And what's even worse now, as we've seen in the Boyles case, that if a judge renders a decision that the complainant is not happy with, then they can stop the proceedings and seek what's called an interlocutory appeal, which is unheard of in criminal cases. That yet has to be decided by the Supreme Court of Canada. So th that's what arguments are going on. I'm not sure exactly how these constitutional applications were framed, but the fact that there has been little weight put in the application, and both courts have said that this is in line with previous case law dealing with sexual assault cases, is troubling to me because I think we're moving in a direction to appease uh, certain advocacy groups and become way too politically correct in a criminal proceeding where somebody's uh, liberty is at stake and stigmatization by being convicted of an offense. And, and in my opinion, it can lead to wrongful convictions. And in one of the cases, the judge said that I'm not going to rule uh, something unconstitutional on the basis of expediency or cost. And I think it's important to mention that anybody accused of an offense is uh, innocent until proven guilty, and uh, resources are very tight sometimes for people. So if you have this full-blown application that turns into a mini-trial, that can be so expensive and or prohibitive to somebody that they may not be able to marshal a defense that way. So I think these are very serious considerations, but these two decisions concern me. I have respect for the judiciary, but I, I am very concerned about it. And in the right case that I have, uh, we will be bringing a, a constitutional application against all these provisions. Well, the complaint made by, uh, well, the people challenging this as a charter uh, issue say they've got to fight the Crown, who is prosecuting, as yeah. well as the plaintiff's lawyer in the court at the same time. So you've got this double-barreled approach that you have to fend off, and you have to show your hand or your cards, uh, you know, open your cards up as to what you're mounting as a defense. I mean, it certainly tilts the balance in favor of the complainant or the plaintiff, doesn't it? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. So there is precedent for this. So just to be upfront about it, there is a provision in the code that if you want to seek privacy records that have privacy interests in it of a complainant, like psychiatric records, then the complainant is entitled to be a party in the proceeding and have their own counsel. So this is not unprecedented. But now, uh, beyond making submissions to the court, this lawyer can cross-examine the accused on their affidavit, which is monumental. And more importantly, if these communications are disclosed and ruled admissible at the end of the day, the lawyer acting for the complainant has ample opportunity to review them with the complainant and shape their evidence uh, in time for trial. So this does tilt the, uh, the prosecution in favor of the complainant because you're now having two lawyers 
one of which will be solely actively engaged for the complainant whose sole interest is protecting the complainant, whereas the Crown has a different and much broader role, which is truth-seeking and not necessarily representing the complainant. And never before have we had this type of tri-party litigation. So I think this tips the scales too far in favor of a prosecution against an accused and can lead to wrongful convictions. Uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, it remains dangerous, and these cases are going to have to work its way to the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court of Canada. Yeah, uh, these are sexual assault cases we should specify in the aftermath of the Gameshi outcome. I guess, would you say the law was influenced by the Me Too movement? Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of backlash, and I think most uh, reasonable minds would agree that Mr. Gomeshi in that case uh, ought to be acquitted. The evidence did not establish beyond a reasonable doubt that there was a lack of consent at all. And so knee-jerk reaction uh, by the government for this type of legislation I think is very bad, but they did it because there was a lot of public outcry from certain interest groups. And, you know, that's what's happening now. And I think when you when you enact legislation like that, uh, it leads to bad case law. And I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to have some wrongful convictions, and I think this is this is the wrong way to go. Finally, I've got to ask you, I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, activism of a sort, uh, what do you make of this case out of B.C., a transgender woman uh, filing a human rights, com- well, a dozen human rights complaints against uh, mostly minority women, immigrant women, uh, who would work in uh, these beautician types of shops, and this transgender woman wanted uh, a Brazilian wax uh, around the genitals while still maintaining the male genitalia, and these women refused on uh, religious grounds, uh, safety grounds. I mean, where are we going with the right uh, of people to complain to a human rights tribunal and have that adjudicated? Is there merit to these complaints uh, that would warrant a ruling, or have it's been stretched to the point of absurdity? I agree. It's been stretched to the point of absurdity. I mean, if you can imagine in this case, the the service providers that uh, this person was going to has legitimate issues about safety and about their own uh, integrity. And, uh, you know, it's absurd if some of these people, I, I, I don't even, I've, I'm at loss for words to, <laughs> to really describe how, how silly this is and how we bring uh, human rights legislation really into a mockery with this type of, uh, of action because people should have a right to refuse that service to an individual, uh, especially on very legitimate grounds. And, and regardless of being, this being contractual, uh, I mean, if you just take this to the logical conclusion, uh, it's a transgender individual, and I believe they are right. They have their rights, of course, that need to be protected. But you can't force a female into uh, performing services of a, a grooming nature on male genitalia. Um, to me, that's a sex assault, and uh, that I just don't. Th- I think this thing turns into a mockery. It's absolutely wrong. And that it should go no further than the paper filed should be just rejected. Fair enough. Always great insights, Joseph. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Right. Have a great show as usual. That's right. We weren't talking about anti-vaxxers. It was anti-waxers we were discussing <laughs> there. Appreciate your time. Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.